what's going on, Warriors? Jeff here from Warrior Life, and welcome to podcast episode number 465. So I've really been looking forward to this week's show. Our, our guest this week, he's a new contributor, but I've been following him for a long time, and he's been a big supporter in the past of our veterans nonprofit, Operation Save Our Soldiers. Frankly, he's just an all-around awesome guy. Also, this is a topic that we haven't really covered on the show before, especially from the angle that we're going to be talking about today. So if you've ever been mystified about what types of ammunition to purchase for long-term stockpiling and how to consistently keep amassing a mountain of ammo that your all your gun buddies are going to be jealous of, well, this is going to be the episode for you. And along with this week's one-page cheat sheet for today's show, you're also going to get an added bonus of a downloadable ammunition planner and tracker that you can use for your future hoarding. Now, you're going to find it all absolutely free in the Loot Locker section of our website just by going to warriorlife.com slash loot. While you're there, there's a bunch of other cool warrior stuff in there as well, including how-to manuals, audio programs, training aids, and a lot more. So go check it out. And now, let's talk ammo. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Man, I wish I had less ammo. Is a statement that no soldier, police officer, or gun owner has probably ever said in their life. And with good reason, as I'm sure every red-blooded, gun-loving shooter out there has realized at some point, there are times when ammunition supply goes into a complete tailspin. Most often it's due to like government purchases, government regulations, and the government threats of some new laws that can make it harder for us to locate and purchase ammo as word gets out about shortages and gun owners all across America go on this mad tear to hoard whatever they can find only to come up against empty shelves, ridiculous prices, and that two-box limit that we've all seen at the local stores. And probably in no other demographic is this felt more than I'd say like in the survival community. So for those of us that are into prepping, even a mountain of ammo just never feels like enough. We know that in a wide-scale disaster scenario or infrastructure collapse, there's always going to be that looming threat of looters, gangs, or even just like panic-stricken citizens who could all be out there fighting for limited resources like food and other goods. And the only ones that you and I are going to be able to count on for our protection is going to be ourselves. So for the armed prepper who wants an insurance plan of stockpiled ammunition to keep themselves and their loved ones safe in scenarios where there is no rule of law, acquiring ammo now before the world gets tipped upside down and all the ammunition stores get looted or shopped clean, building up your ammo stockpile should be one of your primary goals. But let's face it, ammo can get really pretty pricey, even in peaceful times. So unless you win the lottery, building up a serious supply can be a pretty long, daunting, and expensive goal. So how much ammo should you be setting a goal for? And what's the smartest way to plan out your purchases so that you can cover your needs when you need it the most, without going broke in the process. That is what we're here to find out. Hey there, Warriors. Jeff Anderson here from warriorlife.com. And with me today to offer some insider advice and a path forward in your stockpiling pursuits is the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Ammo Dan Morton. Dan, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to get you on here. I know we've gone back and forth a few times over the years and trying to get your uh, get word out here. You've, I think you've been, man, you've, it seems like you are insanely busy, like all the time. Yeah. 
Many of you, a lot of you out there, you've heard me mention Ammo Dan in some of our other podcasts and YouTube videos. And I've been following his business venture for several years now, pretty much since he and his wife founded their company, AmmoSquared.com, back in 2015, right out of their garage. And the idea was to look at ammunition as the valuable commodity that it is, as a lot of shooters have discovered, especially during times when there's an ammo shortage that skyrockets prices and everyone's in this mad dash to find whatever ammo they can at whatever price that they can. So just like gold, ammo can be pre-purchased and stockpiled in Ammo Squared's climate-controlled warehouses and tapped into whenever members want to make a withdrawal or they can have it shipped out on a predetermined scheduled basis for a steady supply of ammo. It's, it's this real like set it and forget it system. It makes it super easy for you to keep your stockpile of ammo topped off and largely shielded from the effects of market fluctuations. Now, initially, Dan and his wife started with just four calibers and one customer and have since grown the business to over 5,000 active customers and slightly under 100 calibers with no signs of slowing down anytime soon. Now, I wasn't the first customer on the scene but I am a customer and a fan, and I highly suggest you check out Ammo Squared for, well, your own purchases of supply and comparing it because this really is a great insurance plan. You can go see them over at AmmoSquared.com. Uh, Dan, I've, I've, I really have been following your stuff, and I really, I've enjoyed watching how this concept has kind of really gotten out there more and more, and um, I'm really interested to get kind of like behind the scenes on this. You know, as as general consumers, we see the prices going up and down all the time, right? And it, sometimes it seems like it's for no reason. It just seems to be, I mean, I guess it, I get it's a, it's a supply and demand market, just like everything else. But what are the different factors that influence ammunition price, ammunition price fluctuations? And, and from your own insider look, like what does the future look like for ammo availability? Because if it seems like we always find out at the last minute, like all of a sudden everybody's just they're running to the gun, the gun store trying to get ammo. So like what's happening out there? What are some of those things that are making it go up and down? And then what are we looking at for the future? Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, supply and demand is is the biggest thing. But but the question is what supply and what demand? So the demand that we've seen in the past came from the uh, election cycle, right? So Obama got elected, you know, there was fear of Hillary getting elected. And so boom, right before that, there was huge demand. The supply stayed the same. And then, you know, store shelves went empty. Um, what we had recently in 2020 was we had both the huge demand, but then we also had a restriction of supply. Right. So you had factories, the all the ammunition factories were shut down for large periods of time because of COVID. You had um, raw material shortages. Um, but then at the same time, you're adding seven, eight million new gun owners, which I, you know, I always say if even if those seven, eight million new gun owners each wanted 100 rounds of ammunition, you're talking about 700 to 800 rounds of new ammunition that needed to be manufactured. So, and then add to that all the existing gun owners that maybe didn't have the amount that they wanted for what they perceived was going to happen. So then they went out and, and, and bought more ammo. We're in a good spot if you want to uh, just stock up. Um, I'm having a lot of, you know, uh, manufacturers and distributors coming to us with deals and different things. And so you'll see that on different retail sites and 
um, and that sort of thing. So, so as far as right now, it's actually a really good time to buy ammo. Hmm. That's good to know. And then, and this is the time that most people aren't buying ammo. Like when you don't need it, it seems like, eh, you know, like I'll get a box when I get to the range, but when you kind of need to think ahead, we don't, I mean, let's face it. We're not a society that likes to think ahead a lot. We're very reactionary. Um, yeah, it's interesting how you get, how you see those fluctuations and I, and, uh, yeah, but so, so let's take it on the other side. So you're, you're on the inside, like you're buying ammo in bulk. You've got your network, you have your, your contacts. So what does the ammo buying public not know about the supply industry? I mean, especially, you know, things that maybe, I don't know if I, I don't want to say like this, the soft underbelly or the dark secrets of the ammo supply industry, but I'm sure there's things there that, I mean, just like any industry, there's things that the public doesn't know about what's, what's happening behind the curtain. So, you know, what, what are some of the things that I think the, that you think that the uh, gun owners out there would find interesting about the ammo supply industry that also maybe affects the market as well? Yeah, I think probably the most interesting thing, uh, even for me, is, you know, we're not a manufacturer. We we buy factory rounds, um, but the primers are the biggest bottleneck, right? And so there's only a handful of manufacturers that manufacture the primers. So all of the little guys, the the smaller, even mid-sized companies, they all depend on those primers. And so, like we saw with the with with the COVID shortage the big guys were keeping their primers for their own manufacturing because they were, you know, needed to, to pump out that ammo. And so then it, it trickles down. And so then all the mid-sized companies and especially the smaller size companies can't get them. And if they can get them, they're, you know, astronomically priced. Um, now I've, I'm not, I don't have my ear to the ground as far as with, uh, the manufacturing side of things as, as well as some people, but I do know that there's a few more, uh, primer, uh, manufacturers kind of popping up like to help with that, because we saw it's such a, a, a huge bottleneck in the last shortage. Um, so my hope is, is in the future that won't, that won't happen again. Um, you know, and then you can add to it, um, like we're seeing with the Russia, uh, sanctions and all of that kind of stuff with steel case. Um, so that's, um, affected the steel case industry, but there's, you know, I, I'm a big market, you know, proponent. And so what's interesting is you see now companies that are producing steel case that aren't in Russia, you know, they're in nearby countries or they're, um, even in the U S so, you know, some of that stuff is going to start popping up. Um, and so it's like where there's a will, there's a way, right? So if we need steel case, and we can't get it from Russia. We're going to get it from somewhere else. I did notice I've just started getting into, well, I can't even say I haven't even purchased my supplies yet, but I'm extremely interested in reloading mainly from the purpose of like for preparedness. And I know you do talk a lot like in your blog, you've mentioned things regarding being more prepared for disasters and, and things like that as well. So I know you're of that same mindset, like you get that mindset. And for me, like reloading is something seems like a very worthwhile skill, right? Um, for me, it's always just wrestling with time availability, to be able to do those things, but I'm extremely interested in it. And I remember uh, my, uh, my dentist, um, <laughs> he's really like, he loves it when I, I make an appointment over there. Cause he loves to talk guns. He loves to talk about his latest things and he reloads a lot. 
And I remember him saying during during COVID that like he couldn't even find primers where he had. I had a bunch of old ones that he and he didn't even know if they were going to be any good anymore. But it's something that I think a lot of us don't really think about that just buy ammo. Have, you know, let me ask you this. Have have we learned anything? Like, have we we've had these shortages, like you said, during you know, the Obama years that happened. I remember going to the the gun store. I went to uh, Cabela's on it was the uh, it was election night, Trump and Hillary Clinton. And like I was talking to the guy behind the gun counter and he said that all of their employees were on a you have to be here at work the next day because the entire back room was just loaded with M16 or, you know, AR-15s and um, and ammunition and everything like they were just waiting for the hordes to come through when Hillary won. And uh, and then, you know, then there was a whole bunch of cheap AR-15s for like a few years after that. It was it's kind of like the, the good years for buying that sort of stuff. But um, have we learned anything from all these ups and downs and people just being in a mad dash? And then it's like, OK, shortage is over. Now we can buy again. Are you are you seeing that people are staying with when that once they realize that there are some advantages to a, a system like yours? And I definitely want to tap into that at some point here. Of of being like a consistent investor, and are, like are you are you seeing that, or do you see this major spike and then this drop off? I I think that because we've had so many of these spikes, that people are starting to get it. You know, if you've been a gun owner for more than ten years, you've lived through at least three of these things. You know, um, and so uh, I think people are starting to get it. Uh, the reloading obviously is is a huge thing because then you as long as you've got the components then you can reload you know tell your heart's content um now i'm a reloader too i haven't done a lot of it lately but um you know i do reload um but with i think that it's you know what what's what i was about to say was uh, you know, if, if you've been a gun owner for that 10 years, you know, but now we've got a whole new crop of gun owners, right? So, well, they're, they're going to learn on the next shortage, I guess, you know, <laughs> because yeah. um, unless they realize it when they first got into it and they weren't able to buy ammo for the gun that they just bought for the first time, you know. Um, but my hope is, is that it's, it's now kind of a, a, a cycle that people recognize. And so hopefully they are stockpiling at least, you know, enough to, to kind of get them through the next shortage. Yeah. Well, most, most shooters really don't put too much thought into their ammo needs until it, until it's range day. And then they just basically buy enough for their, for their planned practice that they have. But for survival purposes, I mean, this doesn't make any sense because when you really need it, the stores are going to either be shut down or they're going to be picked clean. Um, since your brain is always in ammo mode and you do also take into consideration an SHTF type scenario, how do you, oh, like, I want to get inside of your brain. How do you think about your ammo needs from a planning perspective, taking into consideration both practice so that you're proficient, you continue to develop those skills and you're also stockpiling potentially for some sort of a scenario where you would need a bigger stockpile of, of ammunition. Right. Um, you know, one thing I think is, and, and, you know, even though our service is, you know, where people accumulate ammo here uh, at ammo squared, and then they get a shipment, I'm always, always telling people you need to have ammo at your house first. Right. Um, because if, you know, there's a real, EMP or something happens, you know, and, and they can't deliver, then we're not going to be able to get 
things on the trucks and get them to you until those trucks start running again. Right. Um, and so that supply at home is critical. Um, and so one thought that I had that's interesting is, uh, the, the bullet type, right? So if you're, if you're stockpiling only FMJ, you know, because it's cheap, I mean, that's, and you run a nine millimeter, for example, I mean, as we've seen, uh, you know, in, you know, military type situations, nine millimeter FMJ is not the most effective stopper, you know? Um, and so to, if that is your, you know, shit hits a fan gun, then make sure that you have hollow points, make sure you have things that actually do some damage when they hit. Um, but that's also kind of goes into that ratio between, you know, your practice ammo and then your actual, I guess, combat ammo, um, or you're, you're going to need it to save your life kind of ammo. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing that, that I had on a blog post was, was quantities, right? And so if you're looking at, you know, establishing what your needs are today, and then you create a floor so that you, once you hit that floor, you're, you know, buying more. Um, and so if you're, you know, one of our customers, maybe that's the point where you hit the, Hey, ship to me button is that you're, you've reached your floor at home and now whatever that number is, right. I think that's a totally personal decision. Um, for me, it might be, you know, you know, 4,000 rounds of two, two, three and nine millimeter and maybe a thousand rounds of 308 or something. Um, but it's, it's important to not kind of use that up in practice so that you're not running to the store every time you want to go to the range because you're going to pay more money. And then also you don't, you know, there might be a day where you can't run to the store. Yeah. You make a, you make a good point there because especially when it comes to if, if you're stockpiling for like survival purposes to be able to have for defensive purposes, uh, there's skill development, right? Because I mean, there's, if you just get defensive ammo, nobody likes to shoot their defensive ammo. They should be shooting some defensive ammo, make sure that it, they're, you know, it's feeding their gun well enough. But, but there's, you know, skill is going to be the best ammo budgeter, I think. You know, I mean, we just, le we learned that in the military. And I went in when it was still full auto M16s. And then we switched over to three round bursts. And I was like, thank goodness, because the last thing you want out on the battlefield is to, you know, pull that trigger and it goes, it goes click. And it's really easy to, to just, blast through a 30 round magazine out there on full auto, but it may, it does make sense to split up your purchases so that you are getting practice ammo. That's less expensive. Um, and even I tell people like, find out what the crappiest ammo is that like wherever you're buying it from, like find out where's the crappy ammo. Like what's the stuff that's going to jam the gun? Because most people are just, they're always just either practicing for best case scenario and that's why one of the things we do is we, when we, when we've had a class before, we just tell people to put their guns down in the dirt and like get it all dirty. Like we want these things to actually, one, we want to see how they, they perform in, you know, worse conditions. And then also I've seen so many people where the gun doesn't go bang and they're looking at it and they're just kind of like, okay, I know that's right. What do I, what do I, I tap? Was it, do I, they slap, don't have the reflex do I, do I tap down, slap? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not so. So it makes sense to actually like have both. Right. So that you do you are encouraged to get out there and take the FMJ and go out there and get some practice in as well. 
Um, I know you have, we've talked before and, I, and I've seen some of this stuff on your, your website where you have like kind of two different approaches. I don't know if this is the right place to, to talk about it here, but you kind of give people a few different ways that they can think about stockpiling ammunition so that it makes it more practical for them. They can accomplish their goal and makes it manageable. Because I think most people, even if you tell them to go and, you know, you just need to stockpile ammo, what does that mean? Right. Do I buy just like, do I, do I save up enough money? Do I keep a little savings account? Do I keep a piggy bank? Do I break it open when, when the prices are low? Like what, how do you think about it from the approach of, and what have you seen work best for your, for your customers to kind of be more methodical about it? Yeah. You know, here's, here's like my, my suggestion, my strategy really is we have this unique, you know, company where you can set aside a small amount every month. Like, like I usually say, like putting money into a savings account. Um, and then with that money, you can have it go into different calibers and then categories or we call them purposes. So you have nine millimeter practice, nine millimeter self-defense or, you know, two, two, three practice, um, 308 hunting or, you know, 308 competition, for example. So whatever you're looking for, we most likely have it. Um, and then that's kind of like your slow and steady drip. And you can certainly do that on your own, right? So you can certainly have um, a slow and steady drip going into a savings account. And then you use that money to purchase when prices are low. Um, one advantage of ours is that you're actually buying the ammo so that if first, you know, something suddenly happens, you still have ammo, even though you haven't, you know, like every month it's purchasing that ammo and it's, it's being stored for you. Um, and then on the flip side, what I do say too, is that take advantage of sales. You know, there's a lot of retailers out there that are running, um, loss leader type things. Um, and especially now when a lot of the e-commerce type stores are really competing, um, and there's a lot of overstock, you know, there, there's a lot of good sales. So, you know, you have your, on the one hand, have your slow drip that's just always going. And then that's building up a supply in the background and then go and look at, you know, try to hit those deals and then get that. And that's your at home ammo. Um, and maybe because ammo is cheaper, it gives you more encouragement to go out and train more. Um, so it's almost like you can use the low ammo prices as an investment in your training for right now. Um, I know for me personally, I've, I've started going to the range twice a week. I've, prior to that, I was going, you know, once a week or once every couple of weeks. Um, but I've just made it, you know, with all the kind of the, the world events right now, I've just kind of put it as a priority. And I've seen a lot more people doing that with both their fitness and then also their, um, their range time. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So if, if anybody that's listening out doesn't, recognize the uh the terminology of of loss leader i mean it's a, it's very much like you would see that in the magazines for the grocery stores and stuff like they'll put things on sale just to try to, it'll it'll be so irresistible they just want to get you in the store and then you can because they know you're going to buy other things when you get there so um you know so looking out for those like hey come on in now we've got the special blue light special going for you is something to keep an eye out for there um you know i also I also find most gun owners don't really know the different types of ammunition that they have available to them. And self-defense self rounds are a whole other story about like what different types there are out there, what they do and, and what to buy and things like that. But for stockpiling purposes, like for, for practice or, or if you're bulk stockpiling for survival, 
what are some of the most important types of ammunition that we should know about? And, and what advice do you have for, for factoring that into your stockpiling plan? Yeah. Um, so obviously the, for practice ammo, you're talking usually brass cased full metal jacket ammo. Um, you know, uh, if you do steel cased, then just make sure that you're not, it's not exposed to any moisture. Um, you know, that'll, that'll ruin your steel case faster than, than anything. Um, and then, so what is the difference there? Just like, like steel versus brass. Like I, I think most people, um, and I don't even think that I have a real working definition of the difference between buying steel and buying brass. Uh, is there, what are the pros and cons? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously usually steel case is cheaper, um, because it's easier to manufacture or it's cheaper to manufacture really. Um, the drawback of steel is that the case is usually very rough. And so it will tend to stick a lot more than brass. Um, and there's also, you know, there's kind of the, when the, when the round fires and kind of the, the elasticity of the, of the case, um, is different with steel than it is with, um, with brass. And so it might, cause a problem in your gun. And so if you do run steel, make sure that it works in your gun. And then I like your suggestion where, you know, you throw dirt on the thing and you make sure it runs with that too. Um, and there's nothing, um, I would say bad about steel. Uh, like it, there's been some tests done that, and I think they were, it, it's more to do with the projectiles themselves. If you have like a steel projectile with a, a copper coating, that'll wear out your barrel a lot faster than, um, you know, a lead projectile with a copper coating. So um, that's something to be aware of too, if you're buying steel projectiles um, versus the steel cases. Um, but if you're talking, you know, cheap range ammo, I think a lot of people do run steel. And so it's, it's not a, not a bad thing if, you know, it's not, uh, you know, SHTF scenario. Um, but I would, probably lean more towards brass myself. Mm -hmm. Now you also have options on your site for like hunting. You have match grade practice, self-defense. You have different classifications that people can, can invest in there. So um, what is the difference for, for those people out there? Like the difference between like a hunting round versus a match grade round or self-defense practice? What we try to do is we try to make it we, we distilled all of the different types of rounds out there into, you know, a handful of classifications um, because for the most part you can do that. I mean, sure there's some outliers, um, but uh, for your, your typical person, they're going to want to do practice. You, you're going to want to have practice ammo, which I said, which is usually full metal jacket. So there's, you know, no hole in the projectile. Um, and then it'll usually be brass case, brass or steel. Um, and then for a hunting round, obviously that's something that's either designed to um, expand on impact or tumble, which there's a, a company out there that offers to these tumbling rounds that we carry um, that are pretty interesting. Um, and then those are typically rifle rounds. What I always find funny is the handgun hunting versus handgun self-defense, because a lot of times they're the same exact bullets. Um, you know, Hornady makes this XTP bullet. Um, that is, you could technically do it hunting or, you know, self-defense. Um, but for self-defense, you're, you're talking the same type of thing where you want a bullet that expands or, uh, in the special case of, um, this one type of ammo, it tumbles, which then creates the, 
um, the wound cavity, a larger wound cavity. Actually, I mean, you think about like the, the five, five, six in a full metal jacket round, it's designed to tumble. And so that's exactly how it causes its damage. Um, so those are kind of the two main categories of, of that. And then with the match ammo, I mean, it's, it's obviously ammo that is the inconsistencies are, they try to take out the inconsistencies so that the, you know, the powder charge is more precise, the bullet um, uh, shape and concentricity is, is more, um, you know, uniform. So that when you're actually shooting groups, um, then you're, you're going to have more rounds hitting where you want them. Um, and, and there's some crossover, you know, there's some practice ammo that's could be uh, just as accurate as some match ammo. And that's a, a thing too, is to always run it in your gun. Um, I did a, a little test uh, a couple weeks ago, cause I'm going to be taking a precision rifle class. Um, and I took seven different types of 308 ammo and I, and I grouped them. I just did five rounds at a hundred yards and, you know, the groups ranged from 0.72 was the smallest to 2.0 four or something was, was the largest. And these are all the same gun, same day, but because of the manufacturer and the difference uh, of the ammo, my gun just liked certain things better. And so that was, you know, it preferred this certain type of match ammo. Um, but, but yeah, so that, that would be match ammo. Yeah. That's, that's good info. I just, I just started getting in, uh, a little bit more into um, long range rifle too. We just had a, a guest on the show for that too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you're definitely like the person that asked this question, but when people are looking at ammunition storage, because I mean, you're holding on to ammo for people potentially for a long period of time. So how long can ammunition last in storage? And, and I think, I think part of this also is in how you buy ammo. Like, um, is it, are you buying it right off the shelf or are you buying stuff that's been in storage or is meant for storage? But what is the best way to to store stockpiled ammo for the long haul uh, that we should, you know, so what are some storage tips that you have for people? Yeah. And this actually gets to that problem of storing a lot of ammo is that you want to keep it in a climate controlled environment as much as you can, because heat is the, you know, heat and uh, moisture are the two deadliest things for ammo because, um, you know, the moisture will get into the primer pockets and, you know, the, the powder and eventually it'll make it so when you pull that trigger, it's not going to fire. Um, and then also if you're doing steel case, if there's a lot of moisture and heat, then that'll corrode the, um, the steel, right? It'll rust. Um, so just in terms of general storage tips, you know, try to keep it as, as uh, constant temperature wise and as low moisture as you can. Um, Basements are actually good as long as they're protected from water intrusion. So if uh, you keep keep them in, um, you know, it depends on how you're gonna you're gonna store them. But you could keep them in plastic totes that are waterproof. You can keep them in metal ammo cans that are waterproof. Um, those would all be good things. Using um, uh, what are they called? Desectant, where it like, sucks out. Yeah. Des yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sucks out the um, the air. Uh, that's another good thing. And then if you are buying, um, 
a lot of times you can buy certain calibers that are already pre um, they're in like spam cans, for example, like they're pre packed for long term um, ammo in itself can store for a long time. I mean, they're still shooting ammo that was, you know, built in World War II time frame, um, probably before. Um, and as long as it's stored properly, it'll basically keep forever. Um, and so that's just the, the biggest thing is just storing it properly. What about if we go back to the different types of ammo that are out there, like steel versus brass? Is steel going to be harder to store long term than brass is? I mean, I think it is if it's loose or if it's um, not in like a spam can or something that's already airtight. Um, if you really uh, look at how you're going to pack it or, or you take care in, in packing it, then you could probably store steel as long. But I don't think there are very many uh, steel. I'm trying to think about like the, the longest ammo I've, or the oldest ammo I've seen. It's always been brass cased. Um, you know, so I put steel in kind of that area of it's good just for practice and you're going to use that up first. Um, and then keep your brass case kind of stuff for the long haul. Unless again, unless you have those spam cans that are airtight. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. You know, you had a, uh, I, I know you had a, a spreadsheet for people before that was really helpful with helping people to kind of plan things out. It, it gave a, gave a real a method for people to be able to do that. I actually have that, uh, that spreadsheet and I'd like to make that available to all of the listeners that we can, we can put that inside of our loot locker for this as well, that people can grab that if that's. If that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, that'd be great. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Dan, I really appreciate you taking the time here. Um, I've, I've never talked with anybody like in the ammo industry or like isn't that really networks within there and, and operates within there. So I've pretty much just been with everybody else just like, damn, where's all the ammo? Damn, this ammo is expensive. So and just looking for uh, ways out of that. But uh, but I'm, I'm I'm really glad to be on a subscription plan now with uh, with your program. Um, I love seeing what you do. And I think one of the things that I talked about before, like even in one of the YouTube videos was and, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but there are like you're pre-buying at, at certain prices, right? So if, if prices do skyrocket up, I, that's a risk for you, I think. But for the consumer, that seems to be, I mean, that's like you've already got your investment in. So is that, is that kind of like where you're spinning plates over there? Like just trying to make sure you've got a read on the market. And well, first of all, is that, is that how your system works? Is that you, you pre-play, you prepay for that stuff, right? Yeah. So actually it's, uh, it is an opportunity more for the buyer and it doesn't hurt us because so the way that our system works is that we'll, we'll, we'll buy the ammo at today's prices and then we'll sell it to customers at today's prices. And then they have a set amount of ammo, but the price fluctuates, right? So if, for example, you know, customer has, let's say 2000 rounds of 45 ACP practice, right? Um, at today's price and we have another shortage and that price market price, cause our prices are generated off of the market. Um, that price, you know, skyrockets. Now that customer has a decision to make. They could, you know, literally return it back to us and get that increase. Um, or they can um, take delivery because otherwise they would be going out into the market and paying that higher price. Um, so, in a way, I like to use the example of gasoline, right? So if you go to the gas station and you fill up your truck 
at, you know, whatever, $3 a gallon. And then the price of gasoline skyrockets to $6 a gallon. You still have 30 gallons or whatever is in your truck. And it's now worth, if you were going to get it out of your truck and sell it to somebody, it's now worth $6 a gallon. Um, but, and then if you were going to go buy more gasoline, you'd have to pay that higher price. So it, with our system, ammo is like that, because if you think of the gallons of gasoline that you have, that you can now use is equivalent to the ammo, the rounds of ammo that you have that you can use. So, um, one thing I think some people are a little confused about is it's not like a credit on your account that we're then going to use to buy ammo in the future. No, we're, you're buying the ammo today. And you have that many rounds in our warehouse that's, you know, got your name on it. And then you can, you know, have it shipped whenever you want. And so when with the whole price fluctuation, then it's up to you what you want to do with it, whether you want to, you know, return it or whether you want to take delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Dan, uh, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking the time here and giving us this kind of insider view here. Um, listen, everybody, this this is something if you are of the mind where you do want to have a stockpile of ammunition, no matter how big it is, then you definitely have to be more methodical about it. Because when you do need it the most, if you keep procrastinating, and this is where I find a lot of people doing with every part of their survival plan is they just they're reactionary. And this is why we see all these runs on ammunition when things happen. Even during the um, the Boston bombing, I remember this was going back several several years back. But when that happened, that whole area, they shut down all of the gun stores. They wouldn't let people go and buy guns and ammo. And we're talking about like a very short time period here, like same day. So like when you need it, you're not going to be able to get it, which means that now is the time to get it, no matter how big or small it is. It's just like investing in a savings account or just putting money away for for the future. You're better off just getting a little bit at a time over time. And that's going to continue to add up and add up and add up. And then when you need it, there it is for you to, for you to have it. So definitely go check it out. Uh, Dan's website does a really good job of explaining this and makes it really simple for people. And that's the whole point of this is that it makes it really easy for you to accomplish something that most people are not going to take action on. They're, most people are just not going to do it. And so this is where you get an advantage and it's just made really easy for you. It's really set it and forget it. So go check them out over at amosquared.com. And until our next show, this is Jeff Anderson saying live like a warrior. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.